0: Today's Deep Dive episode is brought to you by Razer. Want to lose the wires? Razer makes the best wireless gaming gear available. With three times faster wireless technology, you can make sure that you are confident in your gear You can pick up your amazing headsets, mice, keyboards, or any other wireless tech over at MultiplayerPodcast.com slash Razor. Enter code multiplayer at checkout. They're going to send you some amazing wireless gear along with a free gift. Now on to Shovel Knight.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Multiplayer Gaming Podcast. We are so excited to have you here with us today. Since it is a Monday, we have a full hour-long episode here where the two of us who are dads will be breaking down something in regards to gaming. Today just happens to be a deep dive episode, and we are very excited to be breaking down all things Shovel Knight. If you have not already done so, make sure to rate our podcast five stars and leave us a review. We do occasionally read them on the show, and rumor has it we might be reading one here in just a minute, but first we need some introductions. I am your host, Paul, and then joining me, he is the Troll Knight himself.
0: It's Josh. That is the perfect knight for me. I just need a bridge that's at the top of the level, Uh and then that way I can just be the troll that's under the bridge, man. hmm
1: I debated whether you were going to be the Troll Knight or the Bald Knight,
0: and I thought Troll
1: Knight would be a little bit funnier slash nicer. You could
0: have just been the Bald <laughs> Troll Knight, and then I'd be like, the beard ouch, knight. ouch, Paul. You could be the Beard Knight I, I as could, well. That would yeah. work. I feel like yeah. just, you know, cower at the glory of my beard.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so today we have a very special episode because we are going to be covering Shovel Knight At the request of one of our legendary supporters, so Ace of Shame, who's been a long-term supporter of the show, he is a huge fanatic when it comes to all things Shovel Knight. This is the game that he asked us to pick up and play, so Josh, you and I picked up the Treasure Trove. We have so much to talk about with this gaming series. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. But before we jump into that, you've got a review to read for the people,
0: right? Yeah, we've been slacking on reading some of these reviews and like I said, we just we want to remind people reviewing the show is super helpful for us. It's it I mean, let's let's be honest. When people are looking for a podcast, they type in gaming podcast. And the, the more reviews we have, the higher up in those rankings we are. So they are super helpful. If you've ever wanted to just help support the show, leaving a review is one of the best ways to do that. I know that our Android users, maybe, you know, they're not on Apple podcasts. It's not as easy to leave reviews. I've always said, Hey, it's okay. I'm sure you have a friend that has an iPhone. Just borrow their iPhone, go to the podcast app, buy multiplayer podcasts, leave us a review. It still helps that way. We don't hold it against you if you're an Android user around here. You know? Some of us might
1: even like you, you know. more than the <laughs> Apple users, but luckily between me and Josh, we've got one Apple fan and one Android we fan. We do. You we've got probably the bases covered
0: there. So, but yeah. it is time for a review. We read every single review that comes in. They really mean the world to us. It's just really cool to see what people think about the show. Um, all right. But this one comes in from Raven MC, five-star review, and it's titled Favorite Podcast."
1: This, Ooh, I like where this is going. I, well,
0: this is my favorite podcast. I started off listening while I was mowing and has turned into listening every day at work. I love how your personalities mesh and sometimes have a Top Gear vibe on how you disagree. Please keep up the great work. <laughs> Signed, Ryan Radio.
1: Let's not, let's not let Ryan Radio hear our arguments about... Apple and Android because those ones have not been terribly civil.
0: Oh, in our
1: in our private texting and Discord messages,
0: it is funny because we do disagree a lot. On the show, we disagree politely. Behind the scenes, sometimes sometimes it's a lot more of Paul. You're freaking crazy, man! I don't know how you can think that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh well, thank you so much for the nice review. We always love getting those, and you know. Apple IDs are totally free. So as long as you have an email address, go make one. You can leave us a review. You can download iTunes, I think, and you can still even leave a review in there, even though iTunes isn't really used anymore. But yeah, there's tons of ways to leave a review and we would greatly appreciate it. So thank you so much to what was the name? Raven MC Raven MC. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Well, Josh, any other housekeeping or are we ready to jump into shovel night? No, I think
0: we're ready, man. It's time to dig in Paul. Let's dig in. All right, the Shovel Knight
1: Treasure Trove is what Josh and I picked up here over the last couple of weeks. This game's a little bit older than I realized. It released all the way back in June of 2014, and here's the description that Steam gives. Shovel Knight Treasure Trove is the complete Shovel Knight collection containing all five games in the Epic Saga. Dig, blast, slash, and bash your way through a fantastical 8-bit inspired world of pixel perfect platforming, memorable characters, and world-class action-adventure gameplay. Now, Josh, can you say pixel perfect platforming 10 times fast? Pixel perfect platforming, pixel perfect platforming, <laughs> pixel perfect. I'm good at tongue twisters, man. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's a tough one. So. In the Treasure Trove, we will talk a little bit about all five games. I think we will be spending the most time talking about Shovel of Hope, which is the main OG campaign. And then over time, additional DLCs have been added. We will touch on all of them, although the other campaigns and Showdown, the multiplayer mode, that'll come up here near the end. Now, with Shovel Knight already being seven years old... Was this your first time playing Shovel Knight, or did you have any kind of history with the series?
0: I had zero history at all. I had heard of Shovel Knight when Ace uh, told us what game, because Legendary Supporters get to pick a game for us to review, and Ace was saying, hey, I've got a few in mind, and then he said, nope, I know which one I want you to play. He said, I want you guys to play Shovel Knight, and then I went, did you mean Hollow Knight? Because everybody gushes about Hollow Knight, and I have not played Hollow Knight. That's something I probably should do at some point. And then he went no shovel night, and that's when I went. Oh wait a minute, there is another night game that's real popular. I don't know when these both came out, if they're similar like release dates or not. But then I, it kind of clicked, and I went, yeah, you know what? I have heard of Shovel Knight. I've heard of that game. I feel like it's f- like f- what little I had remembered was that it was fun and goofy, and that was kind of the two things that I just popped into my brain all of a sudden. So we did the. Apparently they've. Like you mentioned, they've done a lot of DLC, so you can pick up this thing called the Treasure Trove, which is the base game and all of the DLC for a very good price. So if it's something where you're like, hey, this is my type of genre, don't just pay for the base game. You might as well get everything because it's all bundled together at this point. But I had never played it. And I'll be honest, Paul, I have not played a platformer game in quite some time. Oh. See, every once in a while, I'll
1: pick up one if I hear that it has really high reviews and I'll check it out. But somehow Shovel Knight just snuck past me. I I think like you, after the first couple of years when I didn't play it, I knew that there was Hollow Knight and Shovel Knight. I knew they were both 2D games and I knew that they were platformers. I never knew which was which. I did not know anything about Shovel Knight, really, until we started playing it here as of recent. But I am a huge fan of platformers. So I picked up games like Celeste along the way. You know, any Rayman game that comes out, I always love playing. Um so for anyone out there who maybe does not know about Shovel Knight despite its immense popularity, maybe there's some others like us who just somehow, you know, missed it. What would you say is like the general format uh, uh, like like what exactly is Shovel Knight other than being a platformer?
0: It's a platformer, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, it is a platformer at its heart. That's that's what the game is. There is combat involved because some platformers are just, hey, you got to make your way through the level. You don't fight anything. You're just trying to dodge everything, right? So it's like, you know, don't let that bullet hit you. Don't let that creature touch you. Don't miss this moving platform or You'll fall to your death. But there's no combat. Shovel Knight actually involves a good bit of combat along with the platforming. And there are minor RPG elements to it. Um, Mm -hmm. There are upgrades that you can get in the game. There are different armors that you can get. There's different upgrades to your weapon. You can get abilities slash like inventory items that allow you to do certain things. So, you know, equipment, however you want to call it, It, you know, so you, you can get other stuff that helps you in the combat as well. There are boss fights. There's vastly different level designs. There's an overworld map. So, you know, which level you're going into, It it takes the platformer genre and adds some different layers to it, which for me, I found to be very enjoyable. And I know that there's a lot of platformers out there that have done that. But the easiest way I can think of is just think old school Nintendo game, like old school Nintendo platformer, pixel graphics, you know, cool arcadey type music cool boss fights, interesting levels, you know, it really brings back the nostalgia for me of the old school Nintendo games. Yeah,
1: 100%, very reminiscent of NES games. I think you really nailed the the nail on the head here. Basically, you play platform levels, don't fall down pits, don't jump into spikes, don't hit any enemies, and then at the end of every level, you fight some kind of boss. And then at the end of the game, you get to fight the big bad and that's really basically about it in a nutshell. Now, I do have a couple of facts about the development of Shovel Knight that I thought was interesting, and I really think we need some kind of name for, like, this kind of segment. I could not really come up with anything good. uh Delicious development. <laughs> I-, I was trying to work something <laughs> are, in with are you that. Uh hungry, Paul? <laughs> uh, g- nothing, like, what rhymes with development or, like, alliteration. I I really struggled with this. I was also playing around with like design mine, like let's go into you can't the design use deep mine. deep dive,
0: but- Paul. That one's trademarked already.
1: Yeah, uh, d- uh, deep diving development. I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, if anyone has any good ideas. Delving I would love into to development. Hear it. Yeah, yeah, maybe something like that. Delving into development. That that'll be this little section here. So, Shovel Knight was made by a company called Yacht Club Games. They were founded back in 2011, and you want to know what they said, Josh? They got together and said, let's make a game that reminds us of all those great NES games that we played growing up. So that was literally exactly how they designed this game. They said, what NES games did we love? What parts of those games did we love? And let's just mash it all into this gumbo stew, and it'll be called Shovel Knight. And so I thought that here, this would be kind of like a good segue, what parts of Shovel Knight reminded you of what NES games? Were there any in particular oh, that kind of stand out?
0: One stands out above all others to me, and that is Mega Man.
1: I even called this Mega Man with a shovel on an earlier episode, because that's really at its core. That's very much how this game plays. It,
0: it really does. I mean, Meg, there, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of differences to it, but it, I, you can tell that it draws from Mega Man perhaps more than any other game. Um, there are some very cool nods to other old school games that we'll talk about a little bit later, I'm sure. Uh, there's secrets in this game and stuff like that, and one of them I just had me just chuckling and tickled pink. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, Mega Man is it because that combines the platformer with the combat and the boss fights,
1: and mm-hmm. this And follows, unlocking new abilities. Right,
0: and unlocking new abilities, and this follows that... Almost to a T. It's not a ripoff of Mega Man. It is not a clone of Mega Man by any means. It definitely is its own game. But when you say, hey, where's, you know, what's this flavor remind you of? To me, Mega Man, hands down.
1: Well, even the name scheme, because in Mega Man, you would fight Metal Man, Flash Man, Heat Man. And in this game... You fight where everyone's named Knight, you know. So uh, I thought that even the name scheme was kind of reminiscent. You also mentioned that the game has a world layout, which is definitely 100% just Mario 3. So Mario 3 on NES, this looks exactly the same, even to the extent that after you beat certain levels, it will randomly spawn an enemy that will walk around on the map. And if you run over it, then you get some kind of like additional level or boss fight. So I felt like they definitely borrowed, not rip off, but heavily inspired. Certainly Mario three, certainly Mega Man two, I think in particular, and even the village where you get to buy gear. Does that remind you of Zelda? It looked so much like Zelda to me. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I I thought that (laughs)
0: too, man. Yeah. There's like a little 2d side scroller village that you can go into and there's NPCs that wander around and you can talk to everybody. Um, you know, that's where the, like the blacksmith and the armor are and where you can get upgrades and your, your different equipment slots and stuff like that. So there is definitely, you need to go to the village, but yeah, it was very reminiscent of like Zelda where you're walking around and trying to talk to people and stuff.
1: Yeah. And where you could go inside the buildings, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Now the, uh, the development team, they liked the idea of having some kind of weapon where they could flip an enemy over onto their belly And then be able to drive the weapon down for like a vertical attack. And so they got together and the only weapon they could think of where this made sense would be a shovel. So it's funny because I always assumed that by using a shovel as a weapon, it was purely for comedy reasons. Because who would design a game around fighting enemies with a shovel? I was a little surprised that it actually did come out of necessity. They actually liked the idea Of getting like that kind of insect walking on the floor, flip it over, jump on top of your shovel, and just kind of pile drive it into the ground and killing the enemy. I was going to go as far as to say this is the only game that has really a shovel as a weapon. But then I remembered Far Cry 5, Uh. where you could run (laughs) around and chuck shovels. (laughs) There are people who have beaten Far Cry 5 only using shovels as weapons. So I guess it's not technically the only Game that uses a shovel.
0: I did not understand why this knight, who is in full armor with a horned helm—I I mean, he yes. looks the part—is <laughs> running around with a shovel. Like, it's why? Very funny. And it, the, but then early on in the game, when you first get to the village, there's a guard that says, "You know, hey, fair knight, this village is peaceful. You must leave your weapon to be able to enter." And then right. you just kind of look at it and you're like, "It's a shovel." And then the guard goes, "Oh, yeah, that's a shovel. You're good. Go on in." Yeah. <laughs> like, like what? A,
1: like what other ideas? Like spatula night? Right. Like I don't know what other things they they considered. Um, they actually once they decided to use the shovel, they were down to two final names. It was either going to be shovel night or plummet night. And I think they definitely picked the right name here. I think they, they picked the right one. I,
0: I mean, yes, they picked the right one. I understand why they would have gone with Plummet Knight, because, yeah. uh, you know, we can get into the the different moves in a little bit. But for me, I played this game as if I was the Plummet Knight. Yeah. You know, more than, that shovel's more than anything. Basically
1: a, the shovel's basically a pogo It stick. really
0: is. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah. you want that's, to be any good.
1: That's what it is. Uh, last fact here is just that Shovel Knight was funded through Kickstarter. So they had a goal to raise 75,000. They ended up raising over 311,000. Wow. And so here Yacht Club Games just kept plugging out new DLC for Shovel Knight. And, you know, that's kind of just that corner that they've carved out for themselves. All right, now we don't need to spend a whole lot of time on the plot because as a platformer, this is all about the gameplay. If you were a little curious to know, basically we find out in Shovel of Hope that Shovel Knight and Shield Knight used to be Like partners. They would fight alongside one another. Shield Knight somehow gets cursed by an amulet inside this Tower of Fate. And then the big bad of the game is the Enchantress. And so she has taken over the Tower of Fate. And as Shovel Knight, you are trying to rescue Shield Knight. But in order to get into the tower and then to fight the Enchantress, you do have to go through all of these villains that the Enchantress has recruited and hired to be on her team. The order and of so no you,
0: quarter, Paul.
1: The order of no quarter. And you're going to have to fight your way through all of them to get to the Enchantress. All right. So let's let's talk about gameplay. All right. What what do you want to talk about first? Like, what's the first thing that stands out
0: to you? I hate the dark levels. Is it too early for oh, that, Paul? Can, I, can we talk no, about no, that? No, no, good. Talk about it. They hit so you with it pretty early gameplay on. Gameplay-wise, it's a platformer. I mean, you, you move from the left side of the screen to the right side of the screen Sometimes you need to go up. Sometimes you need to go down. It's a side scroller. It's 2D. I mean, if somebody has not played a platformer before, then this episode's going to make no sense whatsoever. But if you've ever <laughs> seen a platformer, then you know exactly what we're talking about. And in Shovel Knight, you know, it's a platformer with combat. You come across a, a monster or a bug or whatever. You swing your shovel at it just like you would a sword. It totally makes sense. It just clicks. But the other thing that you can do is you can jump up in the air and press down and hit your button, your attack button. And instead, you'll do like this pile drive with your shovel down under you. And then you can bounce off of things. So that's why we called it like a pogo stick, because if you plummet down into something and hit it, your guy will bounce back up into the air. And that's actually a fairly used mechanic in this game when you're trying to jump over like very large pits and stuff like that. But one thing that stands out to me in this is the level design because for a platformer, if you don't have interesting levels, well, then guess what? People are going to get bored very quickly. And I feel like it was maybe the second or third level in this yeah, game, it's early. where it's you know atmospheric. There's a there's a storm going on in the background, and you can see lightning and stuff. You go through the first couple like stages of this level no biggie. And then all of a sudden you're further into this and now the lights are off. Yeah. Lights and go out. The lights go no longer go out, see platforms. And you can't see, <laughs> you cannot see. Now the only time you can see was when there is a flash of lightning. Yeah. And then it lights up the the stage that you're on for just a split second. And that's when I went, Oh, you dirty dogs, man. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? You want me to platform in the dark? Yeah. And I just that was when I kind of like evilly chuckled to myself and went like, (laughs) that's such an evil thing to do. And then after I died for like the 30th time, I went, I hate you. Why would anybody do this?
1: (laughs) See, you started Shovel Knight, I want to say like one or two days before I did. And I remember that being the very first thing you posted where you said, they're making me play in the dark, you know, and and that was definitely one of the things that stuck out. Uh, one of the bosses also uses that mechanic where they turn out all the lights. And so they definitely make it very hard to time jumping on platforms and attacking enemies when you can't see. Uh, I think the one of the big things that sticks out to me is the gold system in the game. So most platformers, you just have a certain number of lives, right? Like if you're playing Mario, you've got your five lives, and if you die, the level restarts. In Shovel Knight, it's completely different. You have unlimited lives. But what happens is over the course of every level, you are collecting gems, and every time you touch one, it adds to your gold counter in the top left. And then if you end up dying, and in this game you have like the Zelda system, you have hearts and each time you get hit, you lose a heart. And so if you fall down a pit or lose all your hearts, then your character will drop bags of gold that float in the air. And then you start the level over. But then once you get back to that section, you can jump over those bags and recover your gems at that point. But if you die before you recover them, well, those gems are now just lost. So you actually never run out of lives. You can play this game until you beat it, which is for better or worse. Like I kind of felt like dying doesn't really matter anymore at this point. It's just kind of like a lost one to two minutes, and then you're right back where you were.
0: Yeah. the It should be said that the more gems... So the more you collect these gems, they're kind of the hidden part of it. There's treasure chests that are very hard to get to. Um, if you can get to some of them behind secret walls or some levels, like you'll be on a stage and it's like, if you continue up and to the left, you can go somewhere or you can just keep running. Right. And it feels like that's probably towards like the boss or wherever you're supposed to go. But this game does reward exploration. And so if you explore a little bit, you get a little bit off the beaten path. Maybe you have to, you know, complete this difficult jumping puzzle to get over to this other side of the stage. And there's a big treasure chest. So then your knight gets in there, he opens it up, he starts rooting through it. All these gems start flying out and you get, you know, like 300 gold worth of gems, which is great. But the reason that you want those is because when you go to the village, you can spend those gems to upgrade your health, to upgrade your mana, to buy armor, to upgrade your weapon, to buy equipment and stuff like that. So there is a necessity there to collect these things like I think I've mentioned this before, but games where you just collect things for no reason don't jive with me. Like, you know, I'll use like Spyro the Dragon back in the day, Banjo Kazooie. I like I loved Banjo Kazooie, and I liked Spyro, but those games haven't aged with me because it's like, why am I collecting this stuff? Like, why am I putting all this effort into going through this level to collect some arbitrary thing, whether it's rings or tokens or totems or whatever right like why am i doing this and if there's not a reason other than the, well it gives you a high score it just that doesn't click with me anymore it did when i was a kid it was great but for now it's like ah, okay i need to be more productive so i like the fact that the gold in this game matters and it matters when you die because if you have like four thousand gold on you that's a lot and you lose i think is it half or all of it when you die
1: you lose a good percentage. I don't know how much, and that also goes into some of like the armor, because some of those things change how it works. Yeah. But yeah, you drop a certain percentage. So
0: you drop a certain percentage, and then you're like, oh no, I just lost like a thousand gold, which is a lot. I was saving up to buy another like health bar or or heart or whatever it is, right? So it's like you don't want to lose your money and it's great that when you get back to where you died that you can collect that. Like I actually really like that aspect of it. It's almost like in Dark Souls when you go to recover your souls from your corpse. Like yeah. there's a definite mm-hmm. reason why you want to go back there. The problem with that <laughs> is- like if I fall down a pit and I die, these bags pop out and they start floating. But sometimes they're where you can't get them; they're floating down at the bottom of the pit. And then I'm like, "Well, this sucks. I can't get my stuff back." But then other times they'd be, you know, near the edge of a ledge, and so it's like you have to decide: is it worth the risk to jump out over this ledge and hope that I can turn around and land safely without dying again? or should i just say hey you know what i'm not worried about that little bit of gold i'm going to keep going at that point so i actually really enjoyed that dynamic of it because it added something to the game it added a consequence for death because like you said you have infinite lives mm-hmm. and in a platformer you know the difficulty has to come from somewhere and if it's like if you can just fall and splat and fall and splat and fall and splat and there's really no repercussion to that other than maybe 20 seconds of repeating getting back to where you were
1: Uh, Super Meat Boy.
0: Right? Yeah, exactly. So it's Uh like, I I feel like the death system does truly enhance the game. I do recall there were a few times where it was like, I need to get these bags back. They're floating over this pit. Can I make this jump? Oh, no, I just fell again. And now I lost a bigger percentage of my money. You know, that kind of thing. So, (laughs) Well, that's kind of a nice transition because sometimes
1: you do lose those bags and they fall out like over a pit. This game has fishing, Josh. And guess what you can do? You can use that fishing pole, and you can grab those treasure bags. You can also wait, literally fish.
0: I know you could fish. You can use the fishing pole to get your bags that are floating down at the bottom of the pit? You sure can, Josh. Oh, my yep. goodness, Paul. That's one of the Why ways you, you can not recover not tell me your these gear. things while we're
1: playing these games? Because <laughs> we, we just wait to talk about it on the show. Oh. But yeah, you can use your fishing pole to grab those bags near the bottom of the screen. Man. Now... Now, I did not expect this game to have fishing. That really did crack me up because any game, whenever I see a fishing pole, it's the first thing I buy. Whether it's an MMO or an RPG. Whatever it is, and I'll start fishing in games. I don't know why. Maybe I'm a psychopath, but I-, I love doing it. And so in this game, every once in a while, you'll see sparkles over a certain pit. And then if you use your fishing pole, you might get a couple additional uh, gems, or you might actually catch a fish that you can end up putting into a bottle, and it gives you a special ability. You, you can use it later. So that's a very funny part of this game too, because I certainly did not see fishing being a part of a platformer game. This might be the only one that does that. And
0: what are fish doing at the bottom of a void, anyway?
1: (laughs) Uh, And they talk to you. (laughs) They they talk to you when you pull them up out of the ground. It's very funny, but you know, it's it's just one of those extra little things that that are in there. I feel like Shovel Knight kind of does that. They kind of give you like. 40 different little tiny mechanics that are a part of the game, you can play this whole game and never fish once. And it honestly will not impact your experience really at all. It's just one of those extra little morsels that you can, you know, grab and, and enjoy that's in there if you choose to. Right. Now, let me ask you a question. Were you at all confused with the checkpoint system in the beginning? Or was that just me?
0: I don't know. We got to talk about this for a minute. Because did you destroy
1: all the checkpoints I did like not, I did?
0: No, I did not. I didn't even okay. know you could destroy one until <laughs> I was doing the little pogo okay. bounce thing, and uh-huh. I hit one, and I noticed that my guy bounced off of it, but it cracked. So, yeah, so yeah, yeah. in this game, the checkpoints look like trophies almost. It's like a trophy that's holding like a glass globe at the top of it, right? Yeah. And you need those checkpoints, because this game's not easy, all right? And so it's like, oh, yes, I made it to a checkpoint, like, yay, your progression is saved, you're good to go. Unless you quit the game, in which case, then you got to start the level all over again. It's, this is not like a quick save. This is, you, you better beat the whole level if you're going to sit down and play the level. But if you make it to the checkpoint, you don't have to go too far back. And one time, I was doing something and I hit the little glass globe. I noticed my guy bounced off of it and it cracked it. And then it went, wait a minute, what is that? So I started pogo bouncing on it and I shattered the globe. And apparently, yeah. I got like a you know a gem out of it, so I got a couple hundred gold or whatever. And then I was like, "What did I just do?" Because yeah, yeah, yeah. now you've wiped out that checkpoint. Yeah, it's
1: gone. Yeah, but You, you got don't extra get gold. to
0: respawn at that checkpoint if you break it. So I'm like, "Is this just for masochists that <laughs> want to break all their checkpoints and hope they don't die?"
1: This is not a joke. I played the first, I would say forty percent of this game not knowing those were checkpoints, I was going crazy because I would die on a boss or at the end of a level, and it would show the checkpoints, and they were all Xs. Now, I'm sure the game teaches you in the beginning. Okay, I'm sure it's in there. I'm sure they tell you this is a checkpoint, and maybe they even tell you you can destroy them. Okay, But it was in one ear, out the other, or I wasn't paying attention, and I kept wondering, how am I missing all these checkpoints? So I would play, and in the beginning, I could beat, like a lot of the levels, I might die once and they're kind of short. It was not a, really a big deal, but I remember there was one level in particular. I kept dying on the boss and I would have missed all six checkpoints and I'm hitting every part of every wall thinking I must be like every checkpoint must be behind <laughs> hidden passages and I must be missing them. And I literally, I was getting ready to finally say this game really sucks because I had no checkpoints. And I actually searched on Reddit for Shovel Knight Checkpoints, and the first one I found was a guy saying, LOL, I'm such an idiot. I just discovered that if you don't attack these little golden stands with the glass, they're actually checkpoints. And once I discovered that, this game became, I'm going to say, 2% as difficult (laughs) as it was when you try to just one-shot the full level. So
0: you destroyed every checkpoint you came across?
1: All of them. I thought they were all literally just gems for the taking. I did not realize it was a checkpoint was like, because I'm just a moron.
0: these gems. man.
1: Yeah, I had no idea. I was like, all right. Yeah. Oh, here's another one. Chop, chop, chop. Grab that pink gem and,
0: and carry on. That is the funniest yeah. thing I've ever heard, man. I knew there were checkpoints right away. I didn't even know you could break them until I was two thirds through the game. I was the
1: exact opposite. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just an idiot. So oh don't, don't goodness. listen to me about anything. That's, that's what that this is hilarious,
0: Paul. Is. And how frustrating. Like, there's oh, it a was few frustrating. games out there. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but the worst games ever made are the ones where you have to go through the whole level before you fight the boss. And if you exactly. die to the boss, which you will, you have to go all the way back to the level. Like every game should have a checkpoint before a boss. Like, just hands down. And I like difficult games, but that's just a given, right? We expect certain things as gamers. If you make me go through an entire level to fight the boss to die to go through the entire level again, I hate you, right? (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe you played this game like that, man. Oh,
1: I couldn't either. I felt so dumb. So don't destroy the checkpoints. And you will enjoy this game a lot more. I enjoyed the like the 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 last sixty percent of this game so much more than the first forty percent. I gotta say, I probably played like two to three hours more than I needed to just because of replaying the full levels. That's it should have clicked with me earlier. I don't know why it didn't. Sometimes I just get tunnel vision. You didn't notice when you died that it shows
0: your guy like moving back to the to the checkpoints.
1: No, I did. I just, I didn't know. I, I figured I was doing something wrong and not activating checkpoints or they were just hidden. So yeah, That's the I, it's so funny. All right. We just want to take a short break here to say thank you to Razer. They have partnered with us and we are very excited to talk about their wireless products that they currently have. They have things like the Viper Ultimate, which is an eSports ready mouse. They've got the Black Shark V2 Pro headset, the Black Widow V3 Pro keyboard, and their wireless technology is really good. It's three times faster than any other wireless gaming technology. And they also use adaptive frequency technology. And I know that that's like a really fancy phrase, But what it means is that it is constantly scanning all available wireless channels and using the ones that are completely open that don't have any interference. So that means that all of your gear is going to be running with as little lag as possible. You don't need to worry about any interference with other wireless things in your home. So if you're playing those first-person shooters or if you're part of any competitions, all of the Razer wireless gear is going to work for you beautifully well. If you want to check out any of those products, you can head over to multiplayerpodcast.com slash razor. That'll take you to their store. Go ahead and take a, take a look, see what everything that they have available. Just make sure to enter promo code multiplayer and they will send you a free gift along with your gear. Alright, Josh, let's, uh, let's talk about a couple final things here about gameplay before we move on to our, our other segments here in the show. Let's talk a little bit about the relics, because I think the
0: relics. Relics! That's what they're called! I called them equipment, man. I was having the biggest (laughs) brain fart, and I'm like, well, I'm just going to call these equipment. I know that's not what the game calls them, but relics,
1: (laughs) yes. (laughs) Yes, they are called relics. This is honestly the main thing you're going to use your gold for, other than upgrades to your armor and your weapon. But the relics are basically items that get permanently added to your inventory, and they basically give you magical abilities. So there are several in the game. I don't know if we necessarily need to talk about all of them, but the different ones that you have available are the flare wand, dust knuckles, the alchemy coin, a war horn, phase locket, throwing anchor, mobile gear, propeller dagger, and chaos sphere. And basically all of these different relics require mana, and they all use different amounts of mana. So as you play the game, you kind of figure out which relics are going to work best on the level that you're in and how much mana they use. Were there any relics in particular that you enjoyed or ones that you relied on more than the others?
0: Yeah, I'll I'll be honest with you. This is going to touch on one thing that I thought that this game didn't do so well. And I like the relic system. I like that it adds to the gameplay. But there's a couple relics that are just so much better than everything else out there that, at least for me, I found that I very, very rarely got away from. The phase locket. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I mean... (laughs) That's a good one. I'll be honest. I don't... I rarely used anything else. What the phase locket does is it turns you invulnerable for, I want to say, like, maybe a second and a half, like, two seconds, right? Right. Like, it's just... But it can be an absolute lifesaver. If you, like, if you touch a spike in this game, if one arm hair touches a spike, you're dead. But if you are in midair and you look down and you go, Oh no, and you know you're going to hit those spikes, you can activate the phase locket and you can legit run along the spikes for, you know, a second. Now you've got (laughs) to. (laughs) <laughs> Are you feeling lucky, punk? Because yeah. it's kind of hard to time when it wears off. You don't really get a warning when it's going to wear off. So if you're still touching the spikes when it wears off, poof, you're dead. But the phase locket was, for me, just hands down like the best item in the game. You could use it during a boss fight when you know a boss was going crazy and shooting out tons of stuff. It's like, I'm just going to sit here and phase lock it until that's over. Um, now, it does use mana, and so you can't use it just all willy-nilly. And your mana does run out pretty quick. Um, but for me, that was hands down the best relic in the entire game. I also liked one that I got very early, which is just the, um, I don't know the name. I'm terrible at remembering the names of these things, but it was just the little green ball that kind of bounces oh, on yeah, yeah. the, the ground. The chaos sphere. Was that the chaos sphere? It sounds way cooler than it looks. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the green glob. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's just a crypto bouncing <laughs> yeah. green blob. Um, But that would absolutely wreck certain bosses because it didn't disappear when it hit a boss. It would like bounce through them, hit them a couple times, ricochet off the wall, bounce back through them, hit them a couple times before it finally wore off. And there were one or two bosses that I just obliterated. Like they'd get into a corner and I would just dump all of my mana all at once. Like I'd shoot out like five of these balls and then it would take off like, you know, 9 out of their 10 hearts, they'd be almost dead already. Um, yeah. You know, I a lot of them were like that, the anchor. So the anchor is like you throw it and it arcs and so it can hit things on an arc level. The flame wand just shoots out a little fireball in a straight line. So they were a lot of them were like iterations on that. Um the most useless one for me was the gear. Did you ever did you ever use the gear? I
1: wrote down in my notes, I did not use the mobile gear until Preparing for the show today, I beat the whole game and I never used it once. It's kind of a neat idea, but it's not terribly useful. You kind of just chuck down a wheel with a platform on top and you can jump on it and it'll just keep moving forward. So it's like a nice way to cover long pits or just to travel fast from one side of the screen to the other. But I don't know that it was really all that useful.
0: Yeah, I used it once to go like, "Oh, what's this?" And then I saw what it was and I was like, "Yeah, nope." <laughs> I don't know, I don't know when <laughs> Which, I'm ever going to use it. It was too complicated. You had to like yeah. you had to, you know, pull it up as the relic that you wanted to use. Then you had to activate it. Then you had to jump on it, but you had to time the jump on it to when it would start moving and it just didn't seem I I thought for sure like this is going to lead to some secret area somewhere in one of these levels and it's the only way you're going to be able to make it to that secret area, but I just didn't even bother.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely with you in that I almost always used the phase locket, and I would occasionally just switch out temporarily if it was a boss where clearly you could kind of tell what weapon to use. Uh, I would even say I didn't even really use the relics all that much. I didn't either. I would say say probably 93% of my damage done was pogo sticking on enemies. Oh, 100%. I used the relics
0: occasionally, but... They're, I felt like they were almost just like a second afterthought. Like, yes, they're there, and yes, you can buy mana, or you can increase your mana so that you can use them more often. But it's not like they were even clunky to use, necessarily, because you just had to push up like on the thumbstick and then hit the X button or whatever it was. So you could use them yeah. very easily. I just didn't. It felt weird to me to try to focus on that when you're focusing on like platforming and swinging your shovel. And like you said the strongest ability in this game is the pogo sticking like on bosses (laughs) on, on, on just little trash mobs. If you can get, if you jump and you get above a boss and you hit, you down thrust him, you'll bounce off, but you can just sit there and chain it over and over and over again, like a pogo stick. Now, certain bosses in the game get wise to that. So they start like poking upwards or they have like, you know, a horned helmet. So you can't, you know, you can't do that. But yeah, the the pogo sticking in this game was I I played almost the entire game exclusively that way. Like there were a few times that I'd swing my shovel and I don't know if that's intended or not, but I feel like maybe if you and I both, you know, drifted that direction, then a lot of people probably figured out that this is a much better and easier way to play the game.
1: Yeah, the pogo sticking was just the most fun for me. So it was like the relics were there. I'd use them if I needed, but the pogo sticking was fun enough that I didn't feel the need to use anything else unless it was a boss that's flying and you had to use the anchor or something like that. Uh, I don't think we really need to talk about upgrades a whole lot. You can upgrade your armor and your weapon. Honestly, they don't really make much of a difference other than it changes the color of the things. I don't know about you, but I upgraded my shovel so that every time I swung it, it would send a spark on and the ground. If you were at
0: full health, yeah,
1: and it, it would only go out like six feet in front of me. And I was like, "Well, this is kind of... I, I honestly don't think I ever hit a
0: single enemy with the spark, but it looked neat. It did. I got the one where you could charge your shovel swing, and then you it, like it would glow, and then you would do this like super strong swipe thing. And no lie, Paul, I bought that upgrade, and I completely forgot about it for like the next two <laughs> levels. Yeah. And and then I was finally like, "Wait, didn't I buy something? <laughs> <laughs> I realized, like, oh, yeah, I can sit there and hold X and charge this up. And it would one-shot things, but again, it just, like, it just wasn't necessary.
1: Yeah, you not know? when you can like, pogo stick.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like there, were, th- <laughs> Now, I will say this. There are these annoying creatures in the game. They look like knights. And they will block up above them or or yeah. stab upwards if you try to pogo stick them so that you can't do that. But then they would also block your sword swings. So they were very annoying. But the one thing they couldn't block was the charge up sword swing. And uh, so that's, that's when, when I was it. like, okay, like this, this made this part of the game, or at least these mobs, a lot easier to deal with. But there, there wasn't a lot of them. And I just, like I said, it was just kind of an afterthought to that. It's nice that they're there, but they just don't really add to the game, in my opinion. Well,
1: we definitely need to talk about the actual bosses of this game so there are eight knights that you fight against there is king knight specter knight treasure knight mole knight plague knight polar knight propeller knight and tinker knight were there any in particular that you wanted to talk about any like mechanics they used or any that you liked or disliked
0: I I'll be honest, the names because the names are so similar, a lot of these blend together <laughs> in my mind. Like Propeller Knight was uh-huh. annoying because you couldn't pogo stick him because he had a propeller yes. on his head, so that would damage yes. you. And I was like, oh, what do I do now? <laughs> like I'm so used to this. Like, no.
1: Well, he would he would run his propeller and shoot you in the air and then hold his sword in the air to impale you, so you would have to intentionally fly left or right, so that way you wouldn't land on
0: him. Yeah. I feel like was it polar ah, they all I, this is the one problem with having everybody have like you know the same what i do remember is the boss fights were extremely fun like we haven't said this yet but the one thing that shovel knight does better than just about anything else in my opinion was it had the perfect difficulty level you know like for me anyway it, i i would die multiple times on a stage i would die multiple times fighting some of the bosses And that was okay because, you know, like I said, for me, I was using checkpoints, Paul. I don't know about you. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, it was never a long run to get back to where I was. Um, But that was the one thing that stood out to me more than anything else is I was like, if I was going to make a platformer and I wanted the difficulty to be dialed in absolutely perfectly, Shovel Knight is the ideal example of that, in my opinion, Certain bosses were super easy. There were multiple boss fights that I won first try. And, you know, oh, and yeah. I don't know if that For was from sure. doing pogo sticking or it was just very easy to, to gauge the patterns and what was going on. But I recall, I want to say probably three or four of the bosses that I beat on just the first attempt. But the, the trade-off were- there was that the level was hard and I would die a ton during the level, you know what I mean? Or vice versa. So I feel like they really balanced those two things out.
1: Yeah, uh, the difficulty. I'm just going to put a little bit of a pin in that for my thoughts because I'll 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 share that in a second here. I really loved King Knight. King Knight was one of the funnier boss fights in the game because he's literally a king. He's got a long robe and he wears she a crown. One with he's the got a scepter, and the
0: confetti that would pop out. Yes. Yeah, okay. That fight yes. was great. He dude.
1: would he would call. You would just be in the middle of a fight and all of a sudden he would call out. And you would get, like, six trumpets that would shoot out on, you know, three on the left, three on the right, and they would all shoot out giant poofs of confetti that would fall from the top of the screen, and the confetti would damage you. So even though he was one of the absolute easiest fights in the game, the confetti was just so funny. Like, the idea of confetti being a weapon in this game, and shovels, and they they were very inventive in that regard. I think the other boss that stands out, because he was really the only one that I struggled against, was Specter Knight. He was the one that was like the uh, scythe, like the, right? like the Reaper yeah. with a Scythe. And so you had two little platforms, but he would turn out the lights on you. And also he would chuck out his Scythe that would fly around the screen, and then he would dash you. And that fight was definitely one of the ones where I died a lot. I probably died more on him than all the other bosses combined, that, to be honest. That
0: was a hard fight. I do remember that one. And I because it was when he would dash, you would have to like dodge the dash, but then land close enough to him to actually swipe at him to be able to hurt right. him, because then he would dash away again real quick. So that one was the timing. You had to get the timing down right. There wasn't This one wasn't a boss, but did you fight some of the random mobs that would pop up on the map and move around? Yeah,
1: I did. I, yeah. I thought everyone that would there was pop up. there was yeah.
0: one guy that had like lightning, and he would swing from like one hook to the next. I can't remember the guy's name, but I died to him a pretty good bit too because he would he would start like shooting out lightning in all directions, and you couldn't get close to him. You couldn't pogo stick him, and then when you did get close to him, he would like grapple hook and swing between a couple hooks. And, but then when he would land on the ground, it would send out the little spark shockwaves and stuff. And so that was almost reminiscent of like like a side scroller shooter game where you're sitting there trying to dodge like 40 bullets that are flying around because there were all these lightning bolts just all over the screen. And so that was like the main mechanic there was like, hey, you got to dodge all these things and then you can get in and swipe them. Whereas a lot of other bosses, you could just sit there and just wade in and try to do as much damage as possible. Yeah, Uh the one thing, and I guess
1: if I'm going to say anything, that's a spoiler in, in this game. I mean, come on, it's a platformer. There's really no spoilers. But at the end of the game, before you can move on, you do end up having to fight the full gamut of all eight bosses again. And this is where I was going to say, this is why the difficulty was both spot on, but also very goofy, because so many of the bosses were just so easy that they were no trouble at all but i almost think that was by design because they wanted you to have to fight all eight simu- not simultaneously but all eight consecutively at the end of the game and so if every single boss was like specter knight you would oh, no rage. one would no one yeah. would stick with it everyone would give up so at the time when i was playing the game i felt like man treasure knight uh, uh, propeller night. Some of these I had to actually look up because I didn't even remember what they did because it was just one and done. 60 seconds, they're dead. So I think that was actually kind of on purpose because you kind of had like four boss fights that were kind of tough and then four that were really easy. But then when you have to fight all eight in a row. That's an actual challenge.
0: Yeah. Oh, it was for sure. But I I do like the balance of difficulty. And that's why I say, like, some of the level designs, too. I mean, we we could talk forever on this stuff, but you know, you had the level where the lights go out and you have to make these tiny, you have to make these precision jumps onto a platform that's only as wide as your guy in the dark. And if you missed, you didn't even know you missed until you died because you couldn't see your guy. Another level used like air and fans and stuff. So it was like, you know, these gusts would come by and it would lift you up into the air, but there's spikes along the ceiling. So you had to time it to where when you did get lifted up, you would be on this little area that was in between the spikes, but then, but then the wind would like gust you forward. And so you had to like time everything to like, you know, not hit the spikes in the air, but then not get shoved into the spikes that were further down to time your falling so that you could fall down the chute to then do it all again. And so a lot of the levels, I mean, I died a lot on some of these. And so there was that platformer frustration that would start to kick in, but you need that. Like as much as I hate to say, you need that frustration for a platformer. You need that because when you beat that level, that's where the endorphins kick in, right? Like that's where that's like, Oh yes. Oh, finally. Like I got you, man, <laughs> like, you know? And then you just be like, Oh, please let this be an easy boss. Cause I'm done with this level at that point um i i found like i said for me the difficulty level was perfect it was easy at times difficult at times um i I don't think it could have been any more spot on in my opinion
1: never got stuck anywhere for for too long yeah yeah
0: well the game also has a
1: couple optional bosses did you want to talk about this Depends on which optional
0: boss. I mean, well, I thought there was I one in particular that, that... <laughs>
1: <laughs> I thought there was one in particular that you might want to talk about that you had told me that you ran into
0: Oh, the secret, dude. Okay. So yeah. uh, yes, okay. Sorry, I got what you were going with that. So there is and this is what I had mentioned at the beginning of the episode too. So what I love about this is because these guys designed this game to be a throwback to the old school Nintendo type platforming games is there is a Hall of Champions that you come across that you have to pay a ton. It's like 5,000 gold to get in. And I don't want to spoil too much for anybody that might play the game. But within the Hall of Champions is a little bit of like an actual like puzzler aspect, which I thought was really neat and that it was a breath of fresh air from the rest of the game. But there's a secret somewhere in the Hall of Champions that if you find it, you wind up falling into this dungeon. Mm -hmm. And in this dungeon, a spaceship lands and out of the spaceship come the battle toads the <laughs> battle toads from nintendo lore mm-hmm. as one of the hardest games ever because anybody that's ever played battle toads as or looks up what's the hardest game sequence ever the sewer sequence in battle toads was absolutely rage inducing so here come the battle toads. They're like, Hey, what's up, dude? Like, you know, they're talking to you. They have no idea who you are. They're like, Look at your shovel, uh, blah blah blah. You explain to them that you're a knight, you're after the enchantress, and they're like, Oh, sounds like a rad mission, man. Well, maybe we can help you out if you can beat us. So, you actually have to fight the battle toads in these own right. weird ways, okay, <laughs> which is super cool. And it's not easy. You have to do the sewer like part where you're racing the other guy and you can't crash. I died a hundred times on that one, but if you beat the battle toads, they give you an armor set, which is super helpful in the game. And the whole time this is going on, I'm completely geeking out. I've got just this stupid grin on my face because what game made in 2014, as a throwback to old school Nintendo games, is going to pay homage to something like the battle toads in the game. It was just an amazing I I it really just tickled me dude. I thought it was an amazing touch. I I was just like, dude, kudos to these developers for this. Way to honor your source material and stuff like that. I just I thought it was super cool.
1: What's funny is, did you know that it's a different fight if you play it on PlayStation? It's not the Battletoads. You fight Kratos. <laughs> from God of War. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so it's actually a little bit of like an exclusive depending on what you play it on the
0: bosses can change a little bit that is awesome man how funny is that I wonder what kind of armor Kratos gives you. Does it give you the the blades of chaos? <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it.
1: Cause you and I both played this on PC. Yeah. So on PC and Xbox you get Battletoads, but yeah, PlayStation I read online you get Kratos, which is the, pretty cool. That's
0: the flavor that's built into this game. And and uh, you know, it's one of those things it's hard to kind of visualize a platformer and what's going on with this from us talking about it and stuff, but that should tell you kind of the the love that the developer had the trying to be true to the nature of the game that they were trying to make and the, the overall like goal of the game and the flavor of it and how it plays and stuff like that, to have this hidden sequence in there, I just thought was just such a good touch.
1: Yeah, it, it really is. All right. Well, we're definitely running short on time, so we did promise to talk about the additional campaigns, so we need Whoa. to at least mention them. Uh, I'll give just a very short description of what they are. One of the additional campaigns is called Plague of Shadows and the that's kind of a neat idea because what they do is the story of that one runs simultaneous with Shovel Knight but it's from the perspective of plague night so you, you play played. as one of the you, yeah, yeah you are one of the villains and you get to see from his perspective what was going on at the same time so he gets to chuck around his bombs so the gameplay is actually quite a bit different you get to collect things like fuses powders and kind of like build your own unique bombs and you get to add different effects which is pretty neat there is specter of torment which is actually a prequel, and it goes over how the Enchantress was able to recruit all the various knights. And so Specter Knight does wall running. He does dash and slash combos, which is kind of neat. King of Cards is kind of bananas because it's a prequel to everything, and you play as King Knight, working your way through a tournament to earn the title King of Cards, but you actually play a card game called Joustice. And you spend the gold that you earn on buying cards for this deck, but you can also play all of King of Cards, just the platforming elements, and ignore Joustus, but it's actually in there. So this is the one game that's a little bit funnier, because you get to play as this King Knight who's very pompous. He also cries to regain health, (laughs) which kind of cracked me up. I thought that was very funny. And then the last mode is Showdown, which honestly is like a four man Smash Brothers yeah. using the Shovel Knight characters. And if you do the one player mode, it's exactly like Mortal Kombat. It just, it literally scrolls vertically through all the enemies and you start at the bottom, you beat them, you go to the next one. So it's kind of like a Mortal Kombat tournament. And you can choose to buy all of these separately or you can buy the treasure trove, which is the all in one. And, um, we might talk a little bit about that here as we get into the next segments. So Josh, you've got some community reviews to read for us. I do
0: have reviews as we do in all of our deep dives. You know, you guys heard us talk about the game. We kind of break down uh, as much as we can in the time frame that we have. But you know, hey, we're two old guys just chatting games. Maybe sometimes we don't feel a certain way about a game. So we always like to read some reviews from the Steam community. We always try to get a couple good ones and a couple bad ones to just give an overall idea of what other people think about it. Um, so this first one. And I always like to see how much time people had in the game because Steam tells you that and that kind of gives you an idea too. I mean, we had one guy that gave a a game like a negative review and he had like 0.1 hours on record. So, (laughs) you know, so this first one is recommended 16 hours on record and they say this is the best Mega Man game ever made. (laughs) (laughs) And that goes back to the beginning where this definitely has a Mega Man flavor with the bosses and the unique kind of personalities of the bosses. And sometimes you get abilities from them and stuff like that as well. It's not quite Mega Man. You're not going to get like a leaf shield because you beat Leaf Man and stuff like that. But there's definitely that vein is, is certainly there. Um, that one made me chuckle though, because apparently we're not the only ones that thought that it, you know, it was heavily flavored towards Mega Man. um, All right, so this next one is not recommended. This person has five and a half hours on record. Is this a game or is it a torture device? Imagine a game almost (laughs) as difficult as Dark Souls, but you have no freedom and no story to enjoy. The gameplay is stiff and frustrating, while the humor is juvenile. I played through half the game, and it was indeed a challenge, but not particularly fun for me. But apparently a lot of people love it.
1: That's an interesting review because I did not find this game to be very difficult. Certainly nowhere either. near Dark Souls. Never. That's That's wild to me to compare it to Dark like, Souls.
0: Don't get me wrong. There's a couple levels where I came close to raging. They were few and far between, to be honest with you. The dark level kind of ticked me off because that was just evil. Kudos to you. Um, and then the air level took me a little while to kind of wrap my brain around the timing on that one. I think I died more uh, on with that all the level. wind. Yeah I, yeah, I died more on that level than any others. But I didn't find this game to be frustrating, you know? like no, I, didn't I didn't either. did think the difficulty level was that off the charts. Like, maybe we're old school, so we're used to those kind of difficulty <laughs> levels in platformers. Like, I don't know. Maybe.
1: Yeah, th- there were a couple times where I was like, oh, I died again, and I would be kind of mad, but then you would usually beat it within one or two more attempts, and I would quickly forget that little frustration. That's kind of how platformers work, Right. Right. Like, you get stuck at a certain part, and then you finally beat it, and now you're having fun again. Or, so I didn't think it was that tough.
0: Or you can't get passed a part. You die eight times. You stop. You get up. You go to get a drink, whatever. You turn the game off for 10, 15 minutes. You come back, and you beat it you the very it. first attempt. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is, man. Yes. I don't know what it is, but just sometimes taking that little break matters. Okay, this next one is not recommended. Seven Seven hours on record. This is probably one of the most overrated games I've played in a long time, and I honestly don't see how anyone can enjoy it. The difficulty is completely artificial with nearly every stage resorting to some cheap gimmick that gets annoying and old. The hitbox design is terrible, as well as itemization being totally broken as there are one or two items the invincibility and the nectar thing that are just so useful and easy to get it's stupid the music is decent and the thematic side of the game is good which is probably why people like this game but if you actually care about gameplay you're getting completely ripped off i agree with one
1: thing that he said there the music is very very good it is in platformers music matters it because does. you're you're going to hear that song on repeat and it better be good enough and enjoyable enough that it's not going to grind on your nerves. And I really enjoyed the music in this one. I was not surprised to see that one of the composers of Mega Man wrote a couple of songs for Shovel Knight. Really? Cause I actually thought the music was very Mega Man ish as well it, in a good way.
0: The music is so good in this game. It is so true to the genre and the age and like what they're going for, like with the throwback and stuff as well but I, I was a big fan of it. And it's like you said, the music sets the tone for the different levels. And so I thought it really, really complemented the game as well. I, the one thing I agreed with this on this review is that the items don't really matter. We kind of already touched on that, but you know, you get one or two things and that's it. There's probably 10, 15 different relics that you can get, but they just don't really matter, you know, and mm-hmm. you can spend a ton of time and money trying to amass more of them, but it's just kind of pointless at that point all right last review this one is recommended 15 hours on record i lost all my money by jumping off a cliff trying to grab the money i dropped when i died <laughs> <laughs> and that there guy, you go. i could have written that one because that yes. was me man i was so i got so butt hurt if i couldn't get my money bags back <laughs>
1: <laughs> that know? guy needed the fishing rod yeah, <laughs> just apparently. like you did
0: all right, oh, Paul, that's funny. so that's what the community thinks. Now we try to guess what the overall score is for the cumulative reviews for this game. Steam does an overall review score um, on a scale of one to 100 to say, hey, this is you know where this game ranks from all the reviews that people gave it. I think you won for the second time in a row last time.
1: I did. Yeah. So does that mean I get to go first no, with my guess? I guests? don't think
0: so. Well, actually, yes, you do go first because I want I yeah. want to be able to play this this one above you or one below you game.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say I'm guessing you already wrote your answer down, I but I'll, I'll I'll allow you to to move it as long as it doesn't change the winner. Uh, I know that this is a very beloved series, even though I did not play it. The word was always out. I think with platformer games like this, they tend to do really well because it pulls in casual gamers. I'm gonna say this one's super high. I'm gonna go ninety five percent.
0: All right, I that's pretty high. Um, I thought that this game was a lot of fun. I thought that people would, for the most part, enjoy it. It is a platformer, which I'm not sure. I mean, platformers when we were kids were all the rage, but I did think, like, man, platformers maybe they've fallen out of you know the limelight a little bit. I don't know that they're as popular with the younger crowd these days. I did know that this game was very widely recognized and known. So I wanted to give it a high score. I didn't go quite as high as you. I said 90%. I feel like there is a lot to like about this game, but there's, it's still a platformer, which isn't everybody's genre. So I said 90%. The actual, Paul, is, is 80... No, I'm just kidding. It's 96%, Paul. <laughs> Overwhelmingly positive. Ooh. You missed it by one, buddy. 96, huh? Wow. Yeah. As soon as you started saying 80,
1: I was no, like, I are you sure? You. <laughs> Why? <laughs> yeah, Wait, okay. are you cheating, Paul? <laughs> I just would have been shocked. I would have said, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that that makes sense. You can always tell when a game is made by people who love video games. And I feel like that, that always comes through and you can feel it here. This is coming from. A group of people who love video games and so they're creating it based on nostalgia. Come on, you're mashing Mario and Mega Man and Zelda. How how is this not gonna make a, a good, well-received game? I mean that, that was at least my thought.
0: You mentioned those three games. Those are iconic, just beloved games. And you used all three of those as inspiration and did a very good job with it. You know, and so, I mean, kudos to them. I'm super happy that people love this game as much as they do. I see why it is, you know, I don't want to say a cult classic because usually those are not popular at first and then become popular. Um, but I, I, I agree with the rating on it, to be honest. Now, most of the negative reviews, to be fair, complained about the difficulty level. Interesting. So, okay. I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we're we're old and grizzled and it doesn't bother us or something, but maybe people just aren't used to difficult platformers either. I guess
1: when you have games like, I, I don't know, it's been a long time since I played the Ori games, but those seemed very easy. So yeah, maybe it's just people who expect an easier platformer and then they're just a little surprised. Maybe that's what it comes down to.
0: Yeah. All right, wow. Paul. Okay, so
1: you 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 went on your huge win streak where you won like four in a row. Uh, I guess this is now three in a row for me. I'm
0: cheating next time.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe it. All right. Should we uh should we hit that music Go into the next segment? Let me just play it live, Paul. <laughs> hey there, Enchantress. Well, here I am. What are your other two wishes? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh cheesy pickup line aside, this segment we call Make Love, Marry, or Murder. That's our family-friendly way of deciding how to rate this game. Are you going to make love to it? Is it fun short-term, but you can't really commit long-term? Is it marriage material, or are you better off just murdering it? This is kind of an interesting one, because we both picked up the treasure trove. I don't remember how much we paid, But I do know that we bought it on a third-party site, and it was quite cheap.
0: It was like $7 a piece.
1: (laughs) Okay. For $7, I would say it's a must-buy. I would say if you're paying full price, because this game normally goes for $40, I would not spend $40 on this. I would buy just the base game, and I think you're going to squeeze 90% of the fun out of it. I think there are fun things in the other installments, but when I was done with Shovel of Hope, I only dabbled in all of the others. I did not finish any of them. So, I would say it's definitely uh it's like a must-buy, but it's still a make-love game because you can beat the base game I would say in about 5 maybe 6 hours yeah, that at the about most. Right. Yeah, but it's it's still a very fun five to six hours. So even though saying make love might sound weird, I would still say it's a must-buy.
0: I had not played a platformer, to be honest, since I think Cuphead before we played <laughs> Shovel Knight. Like, and it's very, very different. Um, I am super glad that Ace picked this game because I forgot how much I enjoy that genre from time to time. And it's just when I'm browsing Steam and I've got like this itch to play something new, I just don't go to platformers for whatever reason. And I grew up on platformers. Maybe that's why. Maybe it's like, Hey, I played enough of these as a kid. I want something new and you know, 2021 ish, right? Like it's just one of those things where I don't really think about it, but playing this game brought back so much nostalgia for me. It was a lot of fun. I'm with you in that. I didn't really play much of the DLC content. Like I I had an absolute blast playing Shovel of Hope. I did dabble in the other ones. I'll be honest, I did not like them nearly as much. Like maybe it was just that hey, I've played this now. I've gotten my platformer fix and Shovel of Hope was so good that the others just seemed like slightly just you know, it was the same game. diminishing returns. Yeah, it was the same game. It was just a different character with slightly different moves. But the map was the same, the bosses were the same. I mean, I get that it wasn't the same, but it was the same. you know, and so I lost interest <laughs> in the d l c very, very quickly. But for me, shovel of hope is was a phenomenal game. i'm gonna say, make love to it because you don't how do you marry a platformer? Do you know what I mean? Like, well, see, I think you
1: sometimes can like i have. Over the course of my entire life, I've probably played Mario 3 for 10,000 hours. And I still love playing Mario 3. I know where That's every single hidden brick box is. I know where all the whistles are. And I still love playing it. And I, I don't quite have that feeling on this one. So it's funny you say that because I actually wrote down that I would say the platformers that are two-dimensional that I would marry are Celeste, Mario 3, Mega Man 2, Rayman Legends. And if you consider Castlevania Symphony of the Night as a platformer, maybe, maybe not, mm. then that would qualify as well. But I would say this is at the top of the Make Love platformers. So I have it above things like Super Meat Boy, Crash Bandicoot, Donkey Kong Country. I know some people really love that game, but um so... I have it at the very top of the make love. I'm tier, with you if that on makes that. Sense. I'll,
0: I'll be honest, I agree with you completely. There are certain platformers. I've not played Celeste. I apparently I have to play that game because that's one of the like most well like respected platformers ever made, I guess. It's um, so good. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's what I hear too. I just I gotta try it at some point. I'm with you 100 percent This is not a slam against Shovel Knight by any means. It's just it's a little bit shorter. The DLC to me doesn't really add a whole lot to it. I had an absolute blast playing this. So don't take my lack of saying Mary to this in any sort of negative way. It's just, it's a shorter platformer. It's five to six hours. I think you hit the nail on the head right there. It's a lot of fun. The difficulty level's perfect. There's tons to enjoy. But when the game was over, I was just kind of like, that was super fun. And now I'm done. You know, I didn't have a lot of incentive to do the DLC stuff. I didn't have any incentive to go back through and try to like find maybe some stuff or new relics or anything like that. And so. I think it's a phenomenal game. I think it's super super fun. I would never in a million years pay $40 for this, but I feel like the base game on Steam now is like 15 bucks maybe or somewhere yeah, around there. Yeah, it's 15. Yeah. Yep. And I feel like for $15, like this is a no-brainer. If you like platformers, then absolutely pick this game up because there's a lot to like about it. I just can't say it's a merry because it's it's a platformer. It's short.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was actually kind of shocked to see how short it was, because it's like in Mario 3, you've got your, you know, world 1, you go through your 8 levels and you beat the, the final level and then you go on to world 2. Well, Shovel Knight is just one world and it's got like, I don't know, 12 levels and then the game just kind of ends. So it, I was almost a little surprised. I assumed it would be longer. And I don't think it's a bad thing that it's shorter. I think it was just kind of the perfect length where you got to get max enjoyment. It didn't grow stale. And then it just kind of ended. But that's okay. It's, I think that's it's a good complete,
0: thing. It ended when it needed to, to be honest with you. like Games do not need to be drug out longer than they need to. And they knew to cut this off right when it, they needed to. Like They did everything very, very well with it.
1: All right. Well, let's go to the leaderboard, see where this game stacks up. Alright. If anyone out there is new to the show, the leaderboard segment is where Josh and I take a look at every single game that we have done a deep dive episode on and determine where this one ranks. So we've got a total of 58 games now on our leaderboard. Just to give you a couple of games here, just to, you know, give you a little bit of an idea of what's where. We've got Overwatch at number one. We've got Satisfactory at six. We have The Forgotten City at 17. We have Outer Wilds at 29, I'm trying to give Josh a heart attack because he would love that to be higher. <laughs> uh, we've got Phasmophobia at 41, Fall Guys at 50, Sea of Thieves at 56, and we have to agree as a consensus where we want to place Shovel Knight.
0: I know where this is in my mind, Paul. I've got a, I've got a range. Okay,
1: tell me, because I, I honestly, I, I'm not really too sure. What range I'm are you I'm mid-20s thinking? on this one. That's a little high. I'm I'm a little surprised. I thought coming into this episode I would be higher on this game than you, but I think we're actually pretty close to being on the same page.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I there's a lot to enjoy. It, it is a memorable game. I'm not gushing about it. You know what I mean? Like I get why some people like I get 100% why Ace loves this game. The 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 comedy in it, the the, the like the characters It was like this game is the perfect example of like a labor of love. It's like you said, you can tell this game was made by people that were gamers that love these kinds of games and went, you know what? We can probably make a game. That's great. And they did a hundred percent. They did, you know? And so this is one of those things where like, I want to give them credit at the end of the day. For me, it's a perfectly fun game. It's not like super amazing. In my opinion, I think it's well worth playing. I'm glad I played it, but it's not like so amazing that I think it's like a top 10 type of game for us either. So for me, I'm looking at our leaderboard and it's like, I see Far Cry 5, Killing Floor 2, No Man's Sky, Raft, Warhammer Vermintide 2, all in the mid 20s area. And I kind of go, that's about the level of fun that I had with this. That's not a negative by any means. You know what I mean? But like for me, it kind of fits in that range. So what do you think?
1: Yeah, I'm right with you. That's actually quite high, because you figure we've covered 58 games. You and I love gaming in general. We're going to tend to like games. So honestly, as long as you're not, like, bottom 15, it really (laughs) means we actually like it quite a bit. Uh, I would not put this one above No Man's Sky, Stardew Valley, Far Cry 5, but I would be fine putting it anywhere in the late 20s. So if you wanted to go anywhere 26, 27, 28, 29... I I think those are all more than fair. I really don't
0: like you, Paul. I'm Is just because it it's going to push Outer Wilds. I'm into just 30? I'm looking at these and I go Killing Floor Two was a lot of fun, but I could see putting Hollow Knight, you know, right where that's at. Raft, I honestly shut sho- Raft. Hollow Raft. What did Shovel Knight's I say?
1: the game.
0: <laughs> you <laughs> said Hollow Knight. Oh, I, did I see? There you <laughs> yeah. go. Shovel Knight. Right? Raft was a lot of fun, but I could see putting Shovel Knight where Raft is. Vermintide 2, super fun four-player co-op, but I could see putting Shovel Knight there as well. But then lo and behold, what do my eyes see down at 29, yeah. one of my favorite games ever, Outer Wilds. And then I go, so wait a minute, I'm putting Shovel Knight above Outer Wilds? It's a travesty, this is exactly
1: Paul. how I feel with uh, RimWorld, which, by the way, has somehow <laughs> dropped to 34, when in when in my personal list, it would probably uh, be like top six. Let's, <laughs> so I would say I, I 26, ya. 27,
0: or 28, I feel is perfect. I could kind of go I, any of those three. I,
1: liked, I, I think I liked Killing Floor 2 just a tad more, which is very funny because both of these games were chosen by Legendary Supporters. I think I would put this one one below Killing Floor, and I would put it twenty-seven. All right, done. I think I
0: think, like I said, anywhere in there, I think is I just perfect for it. Done. We'll lock it in. So, so top half of our games. You said fifty-eight. So this is in the upper. Yeah, we have fifty-eight.
1: It is. Yeah, it's in the top half, which is uh, yeah, even even more impressive than that might sound. All right. Well, perfect. So we're done with Shovel Knight. We had a blast. We have jumped into the next deep dive game, which has not yet been announced, but it is chosen by another legendary supporter. Uh, this one was chosen by T and he has not announced it yet, has he? I
0: do. I do not think he has. I don't
1: think so. No. I have so, been
0: playing it, and it is I pretty have cool. I, I like so far so good, in my opinion. I'll give a little bit of a
1: hint. I have really, really been enjoying the Hillbilly, oh. and I'll I'll just say that. Some people might be able to pick it out from that hint there. Uh, But thank you to everyone for listening. You know, if if you like what we do here, which you must if you've been sticking with us here for 80 minutes, but... Please consider subscribing on Apple Podcasts. It's only a couple bucks a month. You can also do it on Patreon by going to multiplayer squad.com and that'll forward to our Patreon page for just a couple bucks a month. It will help fund our show and it'll also give you access to all of our quick takes that we have recorded before. There are over 40 of them. So you'll get access to extra episodes that Josh and I record separately. And also come check us out on Discord. There is a link in the episode description. That is completely free, and we would love to be able to have you in our Discord community as well.
0: Yeah, it's an awesome community. We say it all the time. It's just it's one of those things where people show up, and then they go, this is like no other gaming community that I've been a part of. Everybody is super friendly. Uh, they just love talking. There's no toxicity at all. It's family-friendly. So if you're younger and you're like, hey, I don't know, you know it is family-friendly. We keep it that way. It's just an awesome place to hang out with other gamers and just chat about, you know, anything gaming, food, whatever, you know, all this stuff comes up. That people love talking about we fixed computers over discord. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> yep. just great. But everybody's really just willing to pitch in and help each other out, which is awesome.
1: Yeah. So that's it here for today. We'll be back on Thursday with a half hour this week in gaming episode. Happy gaming until then. Happy Halloween, everyone. This will have uh, come out, <gasps> I think, on Halloween. No, so. the day after. Is it the day after? Uh, Yep, you're right. Unless it's early access,
0: which you get if you subscribe on Patreon.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Enjoy all of that candy, and we'll see you guys on Thursday. All
0: right. See you, everybody.